0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Pyamore podcast. Uh, I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Great to all have you here again and uh, another new guest on the show this week. I am uh, really pumped about this one as always with my new guests because I get to have some really amazing people on the show. Um, So uh, welcome to the show, Molly Hale.
1: Hello, thank you. Um, What an honour. Yes. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I've never heard people being on my show called that before, but that's for us.
1: (laughs) I just am like a podcasting fangirl. I should probably start my own. I think I will. It's like on my goals this year. It's just like something I haven't gotten around to, but I love, I love that when people just do a podcast just because like, I just think it's great. (laughs) So I'm like, I think it's a great like place to have conversations, a great like framework. It gives you, it gives you framework to have meaningful conversations. gives you a platform. It
0: does. And I, yeah, one of the things I talk to people about is, uh, we, it's kind of as a culture, we kind of lost the art of conversation a bit. Um, and
1: yeah, that's real.
0: Uh, and I wanted to try and recapture that. Uh, I almost changed the title of my podcast once to the art of conversation but um but I, I i didn't want to keep changing the name of my podcast because people might confuse people but that's that's kind of what i want to do on the show like i think is uh is do that that's why uh one of the reasons i do it i think is uh, we kind of forgotten how to do this <laughs> especially with social media you know so uh yeah
1: yeah i agree it's almost like It like it was a trope, you know, that everybody had sort of like social anxiety like pre-pandemic, and now I think it's almost like (laughs) no, but really, guys, like how do we do this? (laughs) Like, I feel like, I mean, I'm curious what you think. Do you think the pandemic has had an impact on the art of conversation, or do you think has more? It's longer than that.
0: God, I don't expect to be interviewed on my own show. uh, yeah no I think for, I, I can only speak of my experience and my experience is it, it's made me more it made me more nervous about going out you get out of the habit of going out you get out of the habit of seeing people Um, I mean I being on the spectrum I struggled in social situations anyway so I always had to kind of I've always mm-hmm. had to kind of literally read what people are saying and figure out what the tone is and figure out what's acceptable and <laughs> and join in a company yeah way well i'm like i said i've got i've been practicing it for so long that I've, I've got quite good at it and i'm quite intuitive so that helps um so you wouldn't probably wouldn't notice that on the surface anymore but uh but even then and people i know who are not on the spectrum have said that that it's more it's it's more difficult now or uncomfortable or they're just out of the habit of talking to people and
1: I I don't identify necessarily as somebody who's on the spectrum I don't know maybe I should be but I feel like now more than ever I relate to creators that are on the spectrum I relate to their content more than I ever have before and I don't know if that's just I mean meaning before the pandemic like I need way more recharge time. I need way more very clear social cues now than I did before. Yeah, and
0: that's interesting. That's a really interesting observation. Like it Yeah, I mean I mean even before the pandemic I think we we kind of lost how to have a real conversation. It was you know, sitting down with somebody, just one to one, or e you know, or small groups, and just listening to each other and responding rather than reacting. So, like on Twitter, you kind of, for example, because we're both on Twitter a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's more, when you you don't we re- don't we kind of re- pause and respond. You kind of react. Right, so often it's an instinctive thing, or it's a more of an emotional thing, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's got things you want to say bef- without being aware of what the other person was saying. Whereas when you're in a converse- healthy conversation, you listen and you take it in, and then you respond to that um, and try and centre the person that you're talking to. That's what I try and do on this show: is listen to the person's story uh, and um respond to what they say. Um, uh, I've mm-hmm. always tried to do it that way. And all the best interviewers that I that I that I grew up watching have done it that way. Um, there's always one I talk about yeah. a famous British interviewer called uh, Michael Parkinson, who's like this really ama- like he was really huge in, in the UK. Um I don't know. Okay. Why, um and in like, in, like the seventies and sixties and seventies, eighties Famous people wanted him to interview them because he was so good at just listening and letting them talk and responding to what they said. There's a really famous interview with him and Muhammad Ali, which is brilliant.
1: Um, That's really interesting. I would love to look him up because I feel like I totally relate to that. Well, I think it's a huge honor, right? To Like that's one of the biggest – Ways to show that I care about somebody is by asking them more questions about what they're talking about it because it's showing that I'm listening. And I am so intentional with the questions that I ask. And I was just talking about this with my partner because I was in um, Amway, a multi-level marketing company for like seven years. And I was saying how I bet they miss us so much because we quit, right? These cult leaders, blah, blah, blah. It's just terrible culture. But I'm like, I bet these cult leaders miss us because we asked the best questions that made them look so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's asking good questions. That's it. It's it's about asking the right questions when you're having a so like time.
1: just yeah, just it's enjoyable to be around somebody who can do that. It's a skill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you tend to and what this this guy did was he usually got more out of these people, and mm. more authentic interview out of these people than other chat shows would, right?
1: They uh, wanted like actual therapy sessions. Then <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, interview yeah. me because I want you to." <laughs> was, they they, they
0: were, they're so good. He interviewed so many famous people. It was it was considered a, an honor to be invited on the show. It, that's yeah. It, it kind of wow, before, that's right. really cool it became that way around it wasn't like oh can we have you on the show but like, can i go on the show can i be a guest <laughs> um yeah and he's a like a legendary british interviewer um and when i started this podcast and started interviewing people he was the guy that i tried to model myself on because i thought well this is this is this is how because i didn't want to just do the kind of question answer question answer question answer thing of like that you get in standard interviews or, or magazines because yep. like that. that's it doesn't feel authentic to me so yeah anyway, yeah totally
1: okay that's great
0: um i didn't expect to be talking about this it's <laughs> great you'd be a good podcast host, for sure you already tell that from this um from this little, little conversation um
1: that's sweet of you i yeah i will i will i'm gonna do it this year
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah um, um
1: i've had a hard time narrowing down my topic Yeah, yeah, because you do. It's been the hardest thing.
0: Yeah, because I was going to ask you, like, what um, a bit about just tell us a bit about yourself and some of the things that you do.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, quick snapshot. I'm a about about to turn thirty in April. Thirty year old white woman raised in Minnesota. Um, Got married super young. Had kids super young. Deconstructed my faith, got divorced in 2020, um, separated in 2020, I should say, was part of, as I mentioned before, multi-level marketing stuff before that, and now pretty active in the anti-MLM community. I identify polyamorous and bisexual, and I'm self-employed. I do Facebook ads for a living. Um, So yeah, that's, and I have two kids, my partner had like, the current partner has, four kids. So we just uh, blended our families.
0: That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a lot in a in a in a relatively short space of time.
1: It's a lot. It's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking about this in terms of I was gonna I was making a TikTok earlier, but I couldn't quite figure out what text to use because I don't quite know how to like express this yet. But like I truly believe that a 50-50 parenting schedule is like the best setup. Like I think anybody should do that. I think anybody who's like having children should do that. Like to do conscious co-parenting with somebody else. Um mm. I think it's better for everybody's mental health because I'm on I'm in a five day stretch right now where my kids are with their dad and I a hundred percent know that they're being being taken care of by someone that loves them. And I am recharging. So I don't think um, people talk about that enough, like the benefits, the actual benefits of divorce (laughs) and separation at times.
0: Interesting. Really interesting. That's a,
1: that's
0: a quite a unique perspective that I hadn't heard before because you have to have gone through the divor- gone through that whole situation. You know the divorce, the you know meeting somebody else. So the-, the
1: grief, yeah, the grief. Oh, it's gosh. it was so much work. Yeah, it was sort of all of that to say. Like I've gone through all of this, but at least, and now I can like look back after doing all of the hard grief work and all of that that I'm still doing, and actual actually see a benefit like this is an actually better set set up for just me living my life I feel so much more of a full human with this schedule like not having my kids 100% of the time because then when I do have them I am so present I'm not any less of a parent I'm not any less of anything hmm yeah like their attachment they'll have, you know, they'll have shit to work through in therapy. I get that. Like there's attachment wounds, for sure. There's trauma, for sure from their parents separating, but like I think zooming out this isn't as bad as we maybe think, especially at the beginning of it. So, anybody who's listening that's going through separation, it gets better. <laughs> especially if you have kids, it gets better. <laughs> hmm.
0: Interesting cuz I my parents my parents divorced Uh, when I was, or they broke, they separated when I was 18. Um, And it had been coming for quite quite a long time. Um, Mm, Yeah. I'd I'd wanted it to happen earlier, actually. Um,
1: um, Yeah, I hear that often.
0: Yeah. And actually, when they did, they were able to have a healthy relationship after that. Eventually.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, within two or three years, they had a healthy relationship again. Um, In terms of A friendship you know and yeah yep and were able to support me and my sister better than they they had done when they were together so um I definitely I've been on the kind of other side of what you're talking about and it you know and obviously you're right there is therapy and there is trauma and there is all of that but um but But that's
1: going to be there anyway no matter what happens with your parents you know like there's always going to be stuff to work through um yeah, no, that's I mean, I have an amazing relationship with my co-parent, so I am so thankful, which is obviously a reason why I can say this, like I can um I can say that it's been a good experience. I don't think that's I don't think that's the majority of people's experiences with separation. Mm. Um yeah. But I think it could be. I think if we talked about it more and there was more out there about conscious co-parenting and getting going through separation i just i think that we're lacking that conversation right now
0: it's an important conversation for sure because there are more and more blended families more and more you know, people um who are having children with one partner and then um and then separating from that partner and then um parenting whilst with another partner it's happening a lot more um and there's nothing wrong with that um at all yeah um uh it's just happening more and so we need yeah people who are going through that and children are going through that need more guidance and experience and support and and that's really really important
1: yeah i agree um yeah i'm just kind of thinking about that (laughs) still Yeah, I mean there's like a couple books on co-parenting, like even published or even in blended families. There's like a few books out there. I mean, you'd think that it would be an entire section for how many divorces are happening and how many times this is, ha- you know, going on. We need we need resources if we want to create resilient people. Um so,
0: hmm, yeah. I mean, how you've been through a lot of transitions in terms of, you know, deconstructing your faith and then your, your marriage ending and transitioning to a new partnership and everything like that. Um, how did they all kind of intersect and how did they impact each other?
1: Yeah, I think the common denominator with all of those things is sexuality. Um, me deconstructing my faith. So I became a Christian when I was like 15. I wasn't necessarily raised a Christian, but I went to youth group, you know, with some guy that I had a crush on, and became a Christian, and was a devout, enthusiastic evangelical Christian for 10 years until I deconstructed at 25. So um, I deconstructed though because of yeah the narrative around around homosexuality. Like I just, I would have gay friends and then I would see what the church said about gay people and it wasn't matching up. So I think that's, uh, where a lot of people start to kind of peel back the layers is, is around sexuality. Um, and then also was, um, impacting, yeah, my relationship in my marriage. Like I, you know, realize I was bisexual, finally, maybe just admit it to myself. (laughs) I don't know. Um, And that I didn't think monogamy was for me. So that was huge. And the idea that monogamy wasn't the only option only came through deconstruction. Um, And I do sort of, I'm curious, actually, what you think about this monogamy versus polyamory being part of the lgbtq spectrum like i i feel like that is a conversation that belongs there or that is at least had more times.
0: yeah i mean i in queer
1: spaces i
0: I first encountered polyamory in 2017 um when and it's a funny story about how i encountered it um i replied to a tweet by i i tweeted elizabeth gilbert asking her to come on my podcast and mm-hmm. it was a really bold move uh and she replied and got this beautiful message and uh and um it was the most beautiful no i've ever had in my life and somebody saw that who was polyamorous and replied to it and oh connected. wow we built this friendship and um and that's how i discovered polyamory and i was watching their their um it wasn't uh, what was it? It wasn't Twitter video. It was something else. It's called something else then, but they used to do these videos all the time about their lived experiences as a polyamorous person, um, what it was like, and what it was. And I, I just thought like, this is completely new to me. Uh, and yeah, uh, and it's, it's
1: mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. I remember like reading the first couple pages of the Ethical Slut and just being like, oh my god, this is allowed. This is okay. This what? Um, yeah,
0: yeah. And my friend uh, is 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 married, but has multiple partners. And um, uh, and uh, and yeah, and it was really interesting to hear her story and talk about her experiences. And I think she was, yeah, she was a guest on the show actually. A long time ago oh
1: cool. um, that's great uh,
0: and um yeah it was just I learned so much and it just seemed like such a beautiful thing um and it was just all about love and honesty and integrity and, and consent and all of these and it was like wow you know this is this is this is beautiful in terms of I think oh go ahead I'll just to answer your question <laughs> um um no, I, I don't. As, as for whether it's on the LGBTQI conversation, yeah,
1: I mean, obvi- of course, I know that it's not a sexuality, but I it, it, I know you know, we, I know. I think we can both agree that conversation is happening more in queer spaces. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because,
0: um, because,
1: because of the nature. and I think I think the rise I think the rise of polyamory is will strengthen monogamous relationships. Um, because the irony of it all, I guess, is that I'm pretty much monogamous now after really feeling like I could never do it again, or I could ever, um, feel so, you know, trapped like at any, any restriction felt like after I realized I couldn't be monogamous, any idea of any restriction felt suffocating. Um, so it's really fun to be able to be in a relationship where instead of us being like, Oh, here are like two options, polyamorous or monogamous that we can choose from. It's like, what specific boundaries do we want around specific activities and needs um, that we can curate for our relationship, which I think is fabulous. I love that more monogamous couples are doing this.
0: Yeah. and I, I Yeah. And I've got a lot of friends who are, um, in monogamous relationships, who are doing it as well, and it's yeah, it's, I think it's just not. It feels to me like as, as if like it's just not having this hard and fast rule that you have to do something, and that's it. Like the, being flexible within a within a relationship, being open, having open lines of communication, freedom yes. to express desires without shame or condemnation. Um. You know, and trust in each other. Yeah. Trust in the relationship and um that uh and not being possessive about each other, but actually neutrality and consent and you know, meeting mm-hmm. each other conversation. It's like a much more grown up way to approach relationships. It feels I
1: couldn't agree more. I think it yes, all of that. And also I feel like the biggest benefit has been I have been allowed to let my partner move about their life without it saying anything about me. <laughs> mm. Whatever action they choose does not have to say something about me, which I think is just a trap we fall in. Um like if oh if my partner has a crush on someone else, that means that I am not enough. If my partner wants to fuck someone else that means that i am not a good lover like that doesn't have to do those things don't have to correlate Mm. they can have other needs than you
0: absolutely absolutely i have a lot of friends now who are um ethically non-monogamous who are polyamorous who um you know have multiple partners uh all of, and honestly it's it's beautiful to to see it's because people are free to choose and be grown-ups about their you know about their relationships about their sex life about all of those things and it
1: just feels it like- also makes friendships more exciting and like they give it gives my friendships more depth um because it's like it's almost just this freedom to be more intimate with everyone in my life. Like that, not necessarily sexually intimate, but just the idea of having intimate conversations or intentionally dating someone. Um, I bring that energy into my friendships now and that's beautiful. And I'm so happy for that.
0: Mm, Yeah. I mean, this conversation has always been interesting for me watching all these people that I know partnered Um, practicing this because I'm still trying to figure out where I am in this conversation. I've been single for three or four years and I've gone on a different, I've really gone on a journey in those, in that time. I'm still trying to figure out what I want, you know? uh,
1: Yeah. It's a beautiful place to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And
1: And the cool thing is you don't have to, here's where it's not the same as sexuality, not that sexuality has to be fixed by any means, But it isn't, you don't have to fix boundaries for the rest of your life, you know, like you can make, you can decide right now I need a monogamous relationship. And what that specifically looks like is my partner only has, does these specific things with me, but I don't care if they do other whatever, right? Um, And then at one point to look at those uh, boundaries down the road and say, actually, we want to adjust these. My emotional needs are different now. That's something that I did not understand at all at the beginning of it. (laughs) It was like, I have to decide if I'm going to be polyamorous for the rest of my life or not.
0: Mm, Yeah, because it can be a season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's tiring, man. Like, I went through, like, I don't know, 12 breakups last year. (laughs) Like, whoa. You know, like just mini, like little mini breakups. But it's still like this conscious effort. It's a lot of emotional effort. Mm. Which is another reason why I'm absolutely loving life in monogamy land right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's really wonderful. It, it is. I, I love I love see people being i love seeing people I love being able to express who they are and not have any shame and really mm. happy and that is a yeah and we can't yeah that that, that is that is a, that is a really good thing
1: yeah, agreed <laughs> um,
0: yeah 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 it's interesting it's an interesting conversation for me as well because I'm demisexual.
1: Yeah, I want to hear more about that, and how you came to find this, and what your process has been like.
0: Oh, right, oh, okay, you want to hear about that, okay. It looks like, we're, this is like, this, this episode is different, we're kind of interviewing each other in this episode, it feels like.
1: <laughs> it's a conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it's a really good conversation, but I know, but um, I I didn't know demi, what, demi, what being demisexual was, or that it existed, uh, until a couple of years ago. And, yeah, um,
1: there's only, the language is just now coming out. It's nice. But also we're trying to get ahead of a lot of it, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, yeah. we're really fumbly with trying to figure out our language right now.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I, yeah, and for people who don't know, um, being demisexual is, you only feel sexual attraction when you have a very close bond with somebody. Uh, other than that, you don't feel sexual attraction. So. um it's, uh, it means that, yeah. I mean, for me, it means that I couldn't just, you know, go out on a date with somebody that I don't, that I'd never met before and then, you know, be
1: mm-hmm. sexually attracted to
0: them instantly, you know. But you can still have sex, even if you're not sexually attracted to somebody, you can, you know, just if it's, yeah, like, if it's, you know, and you can or whatever. But, You don't feel sexual attraction until you really form a bond with somebody. Um, Mm. And uh, and that, it's been interesting finding that out about myself. And it's actually been a relief, actually, as well. Uh,
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I can imagine that. Yeah, not feeling like you have to be spontaneously um, aroused (laughs) at any moment. Yeah. I I can imagine.
0: I thought there was something wrong with me that I didn't get spontaneously around so often right? I was yes. was like, is there something wrong with my body like you know um why does why doesn't this happen you know and then, then i found out about this and it was like oh right that makes sense you sure
1: know, that makes
0: sense uh,
1: do you think do you think it has to do with just being used to being regulated with a new person Or do you think it has more to do with, like, the types of conversations you have?
0: Yeah, I... um, The two most intimate relationships that I've had, we chatted uh, for a long time on Messenger and email before before we met. And then we had, like, five-hour-long phone calls quite often. And these are really intimate phone calls, right? That's and beautiful. And that,
1: I am a phone call person.
0: Right. I, I chatted I once got on the phone to somebody at about ten o'clock and we didn't start talking until three in the morning. Literally. We had to call each other. That back is beautiful.
1: It, I I love that. That yeah. is so See, that I, was me forever. That's been me my whole life.
0: <laughs> I love doing that. I, it was it was it was and <laughs> that built up the bond so that I could so I was then sexually attracted to them, yes uh, um, and still didn't have sex, really <laughs> um but uh, it depends what' what you call sex, i suppose, but oh
1: uh, yeah, I think uh, that I was just <laughs> gonna say that I've been uh, redefining my my definition of sex, and i that's another thing that provides much relief
0: yes, that's right, yeah, this whole idea of virginity as a construct, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sex does not have to mean penetration
1: pnv yes yes Uh, my friend my friend sabrina i think she gave me this definition but she said anytime the goal is an orgasm it's sex and i think that's perfect that's like you don't even have to take your clothes off for that (laughs) sometimes you know like no um, i uh
0: i yeah and um yeah I, i yeah i yeah um (laughs)
1: <laughs> and That's that just cool. that takes off so much pressure though right like Absolutely. it's not like oh you do the foreplay and then you do that thing <laughs> which is like yeah. totally what we were taught like the majority of individuals living I think um so now yeah to just broaden it and be like just have fun and with other people in whatever That's way feels comfortable and consensual
0: yeah that's right absolutely yeah uh and yeah i so i, I don't i've done that you know and that and now 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 that could count as sex right <laughs> which makes me feel a whole lot better because <laughs> i don't feel yeah. like yeah you yeah know, because there's that image isn't there of like the virgin um of being this loser and this like
1: yeah
0: and that's a story i told myself for ages that mm-hmm. I was, there was something deficient with about me, like, mm-hmm. yeah, or you know, lacking character. And this is what the church does, right? This is what, the yes, does.
1: It's purity culture.
0: Purity culture tells you that, that you are deficient, um, in, you, and immature and don't have character unless you have a partner by the time you're mm. whatever. right. Um, uh, and even in society to a certain extent, it's there as well. Uh, this is kind of mild stigma around you know not having a partner by a certain age or whatever uh yes uh and uh but it's you know obviously it's all it's, that, that's rubbish it's not true you know there's um and but yeah and yeah but being, polyam- being polyamorous um <laughs> <Any> <laughs> sexual? um i meant to say <laughs> demisexual yeah um uh it's um it's liberated me a lot and um it's it's helped the problem is being highly sensitive and being intuitive mm. and all this kind of thing you form emotional bonds with people at a deep level um and sometimes mm-hmm. that's one side and of course when you're demisexual that means you could become attracted to them um and that's not kid. um um so you have <laughs> so demisexual can have a lot of crushes um It's interesting
1: that you think that that's a bad thing.
0: Maybe, yeah. No, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just, I just not talked about it before.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah.
0: Well, I'm a bit nervous talking about it, I guess, maybe because I've never talked about it before and because I'm not, being autistic, I'm not sure how people will respond if I talk about it. Um, Oh, sure. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable.
1: Well, being, I don't think autistic, I don't know how they'll respond to it either. I I always guess how people are gonna interpret what I say too. Maybe I am on the spectrum more than I think I am. My partner is kind of convinced. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, maybe you are.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you are. Um Yeah. Yeah, that would that would make sense. Um Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? I I I don't I just know that I'm demisexual heteromantic at the moment. Um, if I'm other things as well, then I'll, I'll, I'll explore that and find that out, uh, in time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, crushes are healthy crushes, innocent crushes are, there's nothing wrong with those. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as you don't act in, act, act on them in an inappropriate, um, way, um, and, you know, in consensual way, um, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah, we were just talking literally today. I said to my partner, normalize workplace crushes. And then he's like, but don't fuck your coworkers. <laughs> um, which is, it's like they're, they sound opposing, but they're not. <laughs> like if we normalize workplace crushes or just proximity crushes, people that are around you or people that you see on the internet and it normalizing that you're going to have crushes on people then we take away the glimmer of it a little bit and then it makes us want to fuck people that we shouldn't fuck less
0: yeah yeah <laughs> that's right yeah because you just enjoy a crush and then it just fades after a while you know mm-hmm.
1: to ride oh. the wave is fun mm. and to know what it is right
0: yeah yeah, when you know what it is, you can just say, all right, this is good, I'll enjoy this for a while, you know. Yeah, then, yeah. It's us, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, but demisexual people have to be careful with crushes because they can become, they can become, they can feel, they can start to feel like more, but they're not. Um, um, so of course we always have to be careful with that. That's my experience anyway. I always have to be careful with that. But um, generally, I'm, I, yeah, it's fine um because you learn to manage it but yeah it's it's gonna be it's weird though because I don't feel like I could go out on dates anymore I don't want to go on dating apps anymore I just want to get to know somebody and stuff you know and yeah see boys and see what happens you know Um uh, most of my it's friends it's
1: really are- exhausting dating apps take it out of you yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more I didn't join any dating apps until I was married and we had opened our marriage and I was like I don't know how to do this like I had no idea what I was doing and I quickly learned holy crap you can't this is not sustainable (laughs) you can't put this much energy into anything
0: yeah it's a whole way of life really it's you know you have to take up it takes up so much time and money and you know and You've got to give everything to it, I guess, for it to work. And
1: And it's like if you don't show, I mean, the idea that you might not be giving the right impression on the one topic (laughs) of sliver thing that you're talking about, like you're giving such a tiny snapshot of who you really are. And for that to have to land is there's a lot of pressure. Mm, Yeah. And you don't have a lot of time. So anyway, dating apps are tiring. I like Twitter better. That's where I met my partner.
0: <laughs> yeah, Twitter is so much better. Um Yeah, you know, I'd uh, I'd I'd love to meet I'd love to meet a partner through Twitter, that'd be great. Um, although pretty much my whole Twitter Twitter <clears throat> family, I guess, chosen family, um, are living in the States or Canada. So Something's gonna to have to happen in that respect. Uh, yes. So that's a bit um, that's a bit of an interesting one. <laughs> um,
1: I can see that as a challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why that's what it is or why that's happened, but it just it just is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. But this has been really fun. Um, this has
1: been great. Yeah.
0: I love how this conversation has gone because it's been completely spontaneous and fluid and uh, like a proper conversation.
1: Yeah, this has been really chill. I don't feel like I need to like decompress.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think we, some of the things we've talked about are really, really important as well. Like we things that don't get talked about enough. We need to talk about sex, relationships, um polyamory, you know, demisexuality. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about all those things more. We need to talk about how we you know, how you do co parenting and blended families and all of that more. And yeah, it's just this is this is this is felt like just a just a friendly conversation between two people. And mm-hmm. um I kind of love that.
1: Me too. This has been great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: really glad to have had you on the show. Um, and, you know, maybe you can come back sometime. And
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and if you start a podcast, have to, um, I'd love to come on.
1: Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Once I figure out my topic and, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely. It'll really be broad. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I look forward to listening to it. Uh, when it eventually comes into the world um, so where can people follow you online
1: I am Molly R. Hale M-O-L-L-Y-R-H-A-L-E on all of the apps and you can find me there I am, I'm slowly doing TikTok mostly Twitter and Instagram stories
0: <laughs> fantastic and I'm going to follow molly in those places they are uh they are really great so uh
1: um yeah thank you yeah and thanks for listening everybody <laughs>